Hello and welcome back to the Elite Endurance Podcast. Today we're joined by England long-distance athlete Kate Drew, who specialises in the half marathon and marathon. 2020 was a successful year where she qualified for her second England vest, as well as PB'd in the half three times, as well as PB'ing in Valencia with a broken toe. She's currently out training in Kenya, but took the time out of her busy schedule to sit down and chat about her breakthrough year. So without further ado, let's get into it. Okay, so welcome Kate Drew to the podcast. Um, for those who don't know you, can you just uh, give a brief introduction of yourself? Hi, uh, thanks for having me. That's um, all right. So yeah, my name's Kate. I am more of a half marathon, marathon runner, really. Um, I'm based in Taunton um, in Somerset, sort of southwest England. Um, and yeah, I've been running for about... Um, seriously for about five years now um and yeah i've you know got my first england vest last year so things have sort of been improving as the years have gone by <laughs> nice so what initially got you into running obviously you've been running for five years uh quite seriously but kind of what started your journey in in uh in running ah right so i was always very sporty at school so I'd always do team sports hockey netball rounders everything I did I did um and then I think as I got older um and I went to university I joined the hockey club and at the time I was studying physiotherapy and with the course I was doing um I had to go on placement and things like that so it meant that I couldn't commit to being in the hockey team because they were having matches and like weekdays where I'm obviously not there um, so I think it, I think in the first sort of semester, I decided that I'd have to quit hockey and I just started up running, um, and I'd sort of joined the university athletics club. Um, I went to Cardiff, but the Cardiff uni athletics club, it isn't actually, it's not brilliant, but it was fine. It got me into running. Um, and then, so I started running with them. And then when I came home from uni and started work as a physio, I joined the local athletics club um, and got under a coach there. And um, she helped me progress like quite significantly when I sort of got back home. And I found actually the routine of working and running really worked for me. So that's why my running did improve quite a lot. Mm. Um, and then it sort of excelled since there really. Um, and once you've got the running bug, it's difficult to go back. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I I, find I got into running when I uh, first started uni um, three years ago. Oh, no, four, it'll be four years ago now. Um, and yeah. pretty much, yeah, just it's one of those things, isn't it? You just you start and you just never want to stop. So, yeah, obviously, <laughs> since then, um, 2022 for you was a breakthrough year. Like you mentioned earlier, you got your first England vest. What would you say your biggest achievement of the year was uh, for you? Uh, well, I think it's going to have to be that, really. Um, yeah. So, actually, I did represent England a couple of years ago at Toronto Marathon, but I, at the time, mm. I didn't have the standard. I just got a last-minute call-up because I was quite young. And I'd run quite a good marathon time for my age, and they said, why don't you just come for some experience? Yeah. So I sort of did that in 2019 and thought, right, I really want to get this proper England vest now when I can. So I've been working towards it, and then... Yeah, last year I got selected to run Antrim Coast Half Marathon in August, um, where I actually felt like I could run in my England vest sort of properly. Yeah. Um, and it, it went sort of quite well for me, so I was, I was really happy with it. Oh, that's that's quite interesting that you say, so you've already 
represented England once, but you felt like you wanted to get it by achieving the time um, to make yeah. it more official. Yeah. 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 Oh, that, that's that's really yeah, interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, and then also on on top of last year, you uh, PB'd three times, uh, knocking off. Uh, I think it was about a minute between August and October. How did you manage to do that in such a short space of time between mm -hmm. two half yeah. marathons? Well, so when I did Antrim, I I I was targeting seventy three thirty, like that was what my yeah. plan was. I went out with Pacer, who was pacing seventy three thirty, and stuck with him the whole way. And the whole way we built, like we got quicker. But um, I think what happened is the, we sort of mucked up the pacing a bit and realised that we were probably going a bit... The GPS wasn't right, and yeah. Um, so in the end, I thought I could push on, but I'd be running by myself, or do I just stay with the pacer and run in a group? So at the time, I, I thought, you know what? I don't really mind what time I get today. Um, this is just more of a race. So I just did it tactically and stayed with the pacer the whole way, basically. Um, and then because I didn't get the time I wanted there, I then signed up to Valencia Half Marathon to get the time that I felt like I was capable of. Um, but it did have a bit of a funny story behind it because basically the t <laughs> my, my day of the flight to Valencia, I got up in the morning and bashed my little toe against my bed and broke it. Oh my so God. I was like, I don't know what to do. The taxi, the taxi's outside waiting for me to take me to the airport. What do I do? So I caught the flight to Valencia and the first, like the days I was there before the race, I was thinking I'm not going to be able to race because I can't even walk. Like I didn't run the few days before it because mm. I literally couldn't. And then on the day I was like, oh, maybe I should just take a bit of paracetamol and just see if I can get through. <laughs> so I managed to like do it and get the time that I felt like I could get. But it was so painful for my foot. And I ended up having like quite a few weeks off after. Yeah. Um, just to let my toe heal a bit. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's crazy. We had um, I think it was probably one of the first four episodes I did. I had a, a guy called Lee Trupon. Uh, he's a distance yeah. runner for well, he was a distance runner for Australia. And he said that mm. he actually broke his foot once um, and he got his physios and his physio scanned it and didn't tell him that it was broken. Oh, my and gosh. He, yeah. he went and he went on and ran the fastest marathon he's ever run. And then afterwards, they were like, bloody hell, how did you do that, mate? You're, you were running with a broken foot, by the way. And he was like, oh, I thought my foot was hurting, but I didn't realize how bad it was. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's crazy for oh, that's funny. for. Yeah. Um, for like how you managed to push through the pain sort of thing. Um, so apart from yeah. pushing through the pain, do you have any tips for those looking to improve that half marathon time at all? Oh, well, I've found over, so when I first started running, I used to get injured quite a lot. Mm. Um, and actually I found the last few years, I've definitely found out less is sort of more for me, really. I'm always one that would want to do extra. So having someone to rein me in and do less, and be can rather be consistent um is probably the main suggestion i'd give really um you got to really listen to your body when you're tired you know yeah. why would you go out and do a hard session yeah, um, definitely. so it's just being a bit more sensible and thinking of the end goal that you and the bigger picture rather than getting stuck in the now yeah so where you're out in kenya at the moment what's your sort of weekly mileage looking like well, uh, so it's slowly building back up because ever since I broke my toe in October, I haven't really been running properly. Um, 
so mileage wise i've been probably getting to about the last few months about 50s 60s but i'm starting to head mm. back up more towards the 80s 90s hundreds um so it's gradually building up um nice. but not going too excessive yeah <laughs> Definitely. I, I think I think that's one thing, especially um, like getting a coach is really good about kind of reining you in and stopping you from pushing too hard too soon, uh, especially when you're feeling like you're kind of back from fitness, because before you know, it, it can always come crashing back down. Um, so right, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And on Instagram, you've kind of mentioned how one of your big achievements of last year was quitting your full time job and kind of taking running a lot more seriously how would you say that has a, a f affected your athletic performance um so basically the reason why i did it was because i was working as a full-time physio in the nhs yeah. with um a thing called on call as well so every so often you'd take a bleep home and get called in overnight and literally wouldn't get any sleep hmm. um and so and also a physio in the NHS, you're literally on your feet the whole day. Um, and I walked to and from work as well. So I was literally running in the morning, walking to work, walking all day, walking home, running again, going to the gym if I had to. And I wouldn't get, I, I'd sacrifice so much sleep and recovery time um, yeah. that I, it just wasn't sustainable. So I think I was at the time in my life, I'm 25 and I just bought a house that I felt like I was secure to be able to do that because I've rented my house out now so I it is quite I was in a secure position to be able to quit my job yeah um so I thought you know what I'm gonna give it a go my work were really really good they were just amazing with you know offering me what they did mm. and um and I found that it means that my training hasn't really changed that much like hardly anything like in fact I'm probably doing less training but I'm getting more recovery and sleep which yeah. is the main thing you know yeah. so yeah so the key is obviously like recovery and being able to kind of support yourself through renting out your house to like keep the finances coming in but then also you can uh be able to like fund going to kenya and uh, spending time yeah. out there and obviously spending time on your recovery exactly. um yeah and oh and i'm still i am still working yeah I'm on the the bank which means that i can okay. work flexibly like oh, that's i can nice. go away yeah. but when i go home i can work full time if i want to yeah. so it works really well yeah do you um you, where, where where you are a physio how would you say that affects your running obviously um physios are probably a lot more in tune with uh kind of how to improve from injuries and stuff like that but would you say you're more of one of those people who kind of like look at themselves and it's like oh it's fine i can run on injuries like you did before or would you say that <laughs> <laughs> um, it's improved at all well so some things i'm definitely more like do what i say not what i do yeah uh, but there are definitely times where i'm grateful that i have the knowledge of physiotherapy mm. i do find i know how to treat my injuries quite a bit so yeah. i don't actually go to the physio or things like that very often because i generally can sort of treat myself yeah definitely so um kind of moving on from your athletic performance what i've noticed quite recently especially at races is there's quite a big like gender divide between there's a lot of men who race um and a lot of women and oh there's not as many women as there are who actually run kind of in the general population from what i've noticed like if i went to my local running club 
it's usually like a 50-50 divide. But when you go to a race, I'll probably say it's like 75% men and 25% women. What would you say to listeners who are listening? Um, if they are a woman wanting to race, what would your advice be for kind of first timers? Oh, it's so it's a difficult question, actually, because I, I actually think compared to other sports, I actually yeah. feel honored that in running we're quite like i'd say women's and men's running is quite equal in a way like compared to other sports obviously like football mm. um but yeah i'd say definitely at start lines so one thing that i find have found a lot recently at start lines is that you have a lot of men that look at you and literally barge in front of you and yeah. you don't get any set like so say like in valencia half i did in october i was i started in the elite um in the elite sort of wave and we were all standing at the start and then suddenly about two minutes before the start gun went off, they took this tape away and all these men came barging through behind us, literally like shoving us out of the way just to get at the front. Mm. So like, it's a difficult one. What I really think they should do is have separate, like on the same start line, but have a bit for females and a bit for males, like especially the elite females. Yeah. Because otherwise you just get bombarded down by men and they just think they're better than like quite a few of them think they're better than you. And then you'll start off and they'll be slowing you down. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard a lot about the uh, Valencia start line problems, um, especially oh. the recent 10K <laughs> out there was a, yeah. a bit of a shambles. <laughs> that didn't look good. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I would say in England, I think we do quite a good job, especially with elite females. They There's usually kind of like a separate start. I, I know when I've raced um, a few half marathons last year, especially the Great North Run, they kind of have the the males go off with the majority of the crowd, but let the females kind of have a buffer. So there's no no kind of like of that yeah. pushing and uh, shoving that there's obviously a, a huge issue in out in Spain. Cause um, I also raced uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Lanzarote 10K. And uh, even though it was a smaller wave, it definitely felt like I could have easily fallen over right at the start. Um, so maybe it's a Spanish thing. They need to sort out that wave system. <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> crowd control. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, with your Valencia race, can you just kind of recap how it went for you? Because obviously you said you ran with a broken toe. Um, so I, I just kind of want to, I'm kind of interested in how that race went, mm -hmm. played out for you, really. Um, so, yeah, so I sort of, I thought when I went into it, I thought, right, I'm going to start at my 73.30 pace. And then if I can't, if my foot's too sore, if it's too maybe I'll just have to stop. I wasn't yeah. expecting to finish, to be honest. Mm. Um, and it was a really, really humid, humid morning. And I'm not very good in the heat. So all the time I was thinking, oh, I can just give up now. Like, I can just give up now. Like, my head wasn't really in it, but I just somehow kept going. And it did, like, I'm quite generally, when I hit a pace, I can sort of stick to it the whole way. So I did literally hit the same split the whole way yeah um and it went really well i actually feel i got so much more in the tank i reckon i could have run faster that day if it was like perfect conditions for me and like obviously my foot wasn't hurting mm. but it gives me it makes me hungry for more it makes gives me something yeah, to work definitely. towards so i mean on the day it went as well as it went as well as it could on the day so yeah um and i really enjoyed it um yeah so yeah what what are your goals coming up for the rest of the year then obviously you're out in a tent at the moment trying to get a big block in um do you have any upcoming races? Yeah, so um, I think when I come down from altitude, I'm looking at targeting a half marathon. I haven't mm -hmm. quite decided which one yet because I 
have actually extended my stay in Kenya another month because I love it so much here. Um, so I haven't decided what I'm going to be racing yet, but um, then I'll probably over the summer, I think I'll be targeting some slightly shorter, like to 5k, 10k, get a bit of speed up. And then my main real aim is uh, Valencia Marathon at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I've Since 2019, I haven't done a marathon because my aim was to sort of get, focus on the shorter stuff for a bit. Yeah. and then go back to the marathon which i've given it about three years now so it's time to sort of go and see if i can go and nail another marathon really so what what was your uh marathon pb uh before um when you raced last um so i ran 245 uh in london 2019 yeah um and to be honest at that time my pb before that was 303 so my aim for that marathon was sub three <laughs> but i somehow i was going along feeling fine i got to halfway and i thought oh i feel all right i'll pick it up a bit um and then i got to like 20 miles and this guy was like oh if you carry on you'll be going for 245 i was like really he was like yeah and i was like oh okay then and like my last mile was my quickest mile by so like i think it was 607 i remember it being which was like and i just felt great at the end i, I finished at the finish line i just could have kept could have felt like i'll carry on running um, so it was like a really good day at the office for me then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Would you say that performance was down to just like good fueling or just great training? Yeah. So I think um, one of the things is every time I've done a marathon before that, I hadn't, I hadn't taken any fuel on. Um, so mm. this was the first marathon where I took gels. I took some science and sports gels every sort of like six miles, I think. Um, and that obviously gave me a boost. And then I think that was a time when I got my first pair of four percents the nike four percent so oh, yeah i had those on as well which made a big difference so yeah oh nice so um i think as well this kind of leads uh well on to kind of what you wear when you race and recently uh on instagram you said um you've struggled with like body confidence before um but you're kind of on this journey now where you're feeling a lot more confident in your body do you have any advice for kind of other female athletes that might be experiencing the same things? Uh, yeah, so I'd say like as a youngster, I was always very, uh, I had quite low self-esteem and low self-confidence. Mm. And, you know, I felt like, you know, you're not great in myself. Um, and I think, so my mum's always said, like, as you get older, Kate, you'll learn to find yourself and you know, sort of you'll get more confident in yourself. And yeah. I think over the years, I've definitely become just more confident myself and actually your body's you know you've got to be proud of your body and yeah and I just think you know you've got to be grateful that it can do what it can do and yeah who's there to judge it like if you're happy to stand out like in Antrim first time I wore sort of pants and a crop top I felt I just felt I didn't worry about any what anyone else thought I just yeah. felt confident and it actually I find if you race feeling confidently or run feeling confidently feeling confident then you just have a much better race. Um, I think, yeah, it takes a bit of practice as well. And sometimes, like, yeah, I still have days where I feel rubbish and don't have any self-esteem or confidence. But actually, you know, in the long run, it's definitely improved a lot. So, yeah. That's great to hear. And um, obviously, like, wish you the best of luck for um, kind of the rest of your year. But before we go, um, let's talk about this next section is uh, no context track. So I sent you a photo of yourself running. Yeah. Um, and all you have to do is describe what's going on in the photos for those listening. 
and um, kind of tell the story behind it. Yeah, so the photo is of me uh, winning Reading Half Marathon. Um, so it was quite funny, actually, because literally the the day before I messaged my coach and said, I'm not going to do it because I just have co- I just had COVID. I was yeah. testing negative by then. But I, like, I did a session the week before and it went horrendously. Hmm. Oh, it was so bad. And I thought, right, I'm not going to be doing Reading. But then, as I usually do on the day, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just go and start, you know. And then... <laughs> um, yeah and then obviously i went round and everyone kept going oh first lady i was thinking what first lady um and then i got to the finish line and it was just like such a good feeling and like for me it was a pb then so um yeah yeah it was just great i loved it so yeah um i was i was actually gonna say this for people who've like had kind of flu or covid and stuff and are still training like what would you say kind of uh allowed you to be able to go to that start line and kind of feel better do you you think it was just probably down to adrenaline or was it like time that you'd taken off to kind of make sure your body had healed properly um i think it off for that day it was definitely adrenaline i was still literally not feeling great in myself um but i think i just i'd been working towards it for quite a few months Mm. so i think because i was so excited about it i just yeah the yeah. adrenaline took over and yeah definitely. that was it really <laughs> so um whilst you're out in kenya do you have any other kind of plans for your training at all uh so well so basically i've just switched coaches actually okay uh last week so i was under john starrett who's based in ireland but i'm now just teamed up with zil kissy um so my training's sort of going to be changing quite a bit. Um, mm. I think he's got a group of his his athletes coming out in March, which is why I'm sort of extending my stay as well. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, so at the moment it's very early days, but uh, I've been speaking to him sort of every other day so far mm. just to go through my training and how I'm feeling and things like that. So yeah. That's cool. Um, so let's move on to the final questions of the podcast. It's been great to have you on um, and chat about kind of all your experiences. Um, but what would you say is your funniest story uh, that you have from running? It could be like a drug testing story or a story of a race. Obviously, we've talked about your broken toe in uh, Valencia. <laughs> <laughs> but do you have any other yeah. funny stories? Uh, I actually, so I have got another one actually. But it was, luckily, I wasn't actually properly racing. It was more just a training run. Yeah. But last year, I did... Um, I did Bournemouth half marathon last end of last year, mm. just as an easy, you know, like a steady run. Yeah. And we were going along and I was with a group of guys and we were just going, you know, clipping along and we got to this bit and we didn't know where to go. So we just went, we just carried on straight down these like really steep coastal path steps mm. and got to the bottom and realized, oh my goodness, we've gone the wrong way. Like, where do we go? And at this point I was down on the promenade again. So I was like, I don't know what to do because I'm in, I was in first lady position I was like, I want to sort of keep that position, but I, I'm not going to go back up those steps and I don't know where to go. So we just ended up, I literally just ended up carrying on running up and down this promenade until I got to like 14 point something miles, just so then I knew I could get, I got the distance in. And I got to the finish line and I still came first lady. But um, it was quite, it was, it was, it was annoying at the time. But then afterwards, it was sort of just a bit of a, it was a bit of a funny story, really, because I just, yeah, because it was just, I think if I was racing, I would have been, a bit annoyed but yeah um, because i wasn't really it didn't really matter too much so you ended up making um making up your own route and you, you still ended up getting first yeah. lady 
that's, that's yeah, amazing. but it's also something that you don't think. You don't think about that in a race. No, you know? like you always think that in a big race like that, you're going to know where you, you don't have to worry yeah, about definitely. where to go. But yeah, honestly, I had no, I didn't know where to. We didn't know where to go. We we're all looking at each other, like, where do we go? And all the other guys actually stopped. Mm. But I was like, well, I'm not going to lose my first lady position. I'm going to just keep going. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was an interesting one. But yeah. Did you not think <laughs> when you were going down the stairs that it was a bit of a interesting well i did so what is that i started half going marathon. halfway down yeah yeah so what i did is I, well, I went halfway down and i thought this isn't right i'll run back up so i was running back up but then all these other men were coming down so i was like well they're oh, all right yeah down, so maybe i'll carry on down so i just then thought oh well i'll turn around and go back down again um and then i got to the bottom and then yeah we realized obviously we've gone the wrong way but i was like oh well there's no going back now so yeah yeah <laughs> definitely so um, finally, if you were stranded on a desert island uh, and you had to pick one person, uh, whether they be factual or fictional throughout history, who would it be and why? Unfortunately, you can't choose Bear Grylls because we've had, we've had too many people choosing Bear Grylls. So. <laughs> That's all right. No, I've had a long think about this. So I, it's a bit of a, uh, an obvious one, but I would probably pick David Attenborough because he's, he's literally like one of my idols. Yeah. And I watch all of his like all of his um, documentaries and everything like that. So I just love to be on a desert island with him, with him being able to tell me about all these different animals and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's really good. Uh, I, I do love Dave and Aston, I feel I feel like you could just, even if you were in a really kind of situation, if you're dying or something, he can just like, just talk you to sleep and it'll be fine. Like it, it wouldn't matter. Because you're with David Attenborough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his voice, his voice is just so soothing. Yeah, it yeah. is. And his voice is just so soothing. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I could watch like Planet Earth twenty four seven. Just all of those videos are just so great. Oh yeah, definitely. Anyway, thank you yeah, so much. Yeah, exactly. um, so. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, been great to chat to you. Do you have any other plans, uh, kind of going into the rest of the year? Obviously. Um, like you said, you're targeting the marathon, but just anything else going on in your life? Uh, not really, to be honest. No, yeah. um, obviously, once I get back from Kenya, I'll be going back to work for a bit, earn a bit more money. Um, and then just, yeah, target a few more races and try and hopefully get a bit quicker. <laughs> nice. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, for those listening, uh, we'll see you all next week. Bye.